Hi, and welcome to an episode of the Jet Rails Podcast. I'm Robert Rand, your host. Today, we're going to be talking all about search engine optimization, but a particular niche. Um, so we're going to be talking about SEO best practices when migrating a Magenta website. <laughs> because SEO onto itself could be an, a series uh, for this podcast or any other. And so for, for today's purposes, uh, you know, while a lot of what we're going to talk about will absolutely relate to just about any and every SEO campaign, it's going to be framed uh, from the vantage point of someone that's trying to take a website uh, through a migration process, um, which can mean more than one thing too. And with no further ado, I'd like to introduce the guest of the day. We have Rita here with us from Mobicles. Rita, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Uh, yes. Hi, uh, my name is Rita. I work in Mobicles company. Uh, our company provides uh, development services uh, for e-commerce websites, and we focused on Magenta. And uh, now I get to ask my favorite question. Where did Mobicles get its name? Is there a good story there? <laughs> Maybe, maybe. <laughs> so uh, the name of our company comes from the mobile cloud solutions. Uh, we plan to work in this direction, but it wasn't much popular uh, at the time when we um, opened the company. So, and we decided to focus on development on Magento. And uh, there are a lot of uh, <laughs> fun regarding Mobicals name uh, because it's not easy to pronounce. And uh, there are lots of interesting barriers that come from our clients and our partners, some of them like MobCLS or Mobilag or MobileX, but actually the right variant is Mobicals. That's so funny. You know, we're partner organizations. <laughs> we have uh, clients in common and I had no idea where the name came from. Um, <laughs> this is what the so podcast was really all about when I started it. It was finding out where everybody came up with all these names. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, to dive right in, what is, in your opinion, the, the biggest difference between launching a new website for the first time when it comes to SEO and migrating an existing site like from Magento 1 to Magento 2? Uh, so uh, the biggest uh, issue regarding this is that uh, SEO specialists uh, have to enhance uh, control and check uh, if uh, all of the done settings uh, work as needed uh, because after migration, there can be some situation then some modules migrated, some data migrated and uh, something stopped working or uh, some backups wasn't done. So it's just regular process. So you need to double check uh, if everything is work fine. It's not enough to just to do settings once, but to see if it works uh, when when the website actually migrates. And um, uh, from the uh, goals point of view, uh, the main difference is that the goals are different. Uh, when you launch a website, uh, the goal is to uh, do the right uh, SEO setup. Uh, but uh, when you migrate the website, the goal is to migrate all the settings as it is uh, because it's not a good time to change uh, anything and uh, uh, even if it's not perfect you should migrate it as it is yeah that's funny so i guess you know launching a new website for the first time you want to give yourself a leg up in seo uh migrating you don't want to break your seo <laughs> that, that's the golden rule as, as I'm, that's my takeaway right there uh, I, I know that yeah. that's going to definitely come up a few more times before we wrap for today. 
um, you know, just don't break anything. Uh, you know, I, and I, I guess it really, you know, that applies for any migration going from an old version yeah. of a website to a new going from, you know, Shopify to Magento going from yes. wh whatever the migration is. Uh, and if you're going from, let's say, M1 to M2, it might be easier to avoid some of those pitfalls because it, it's probably a little easier to keep certain things like URL structure intact. Um, so, you know, why don't we start there and, and talk a little bit about what best practices look like for the URLs themselves? What are your recommendations when it comes to keeping search engines like Google happy when it comes uh, to maintaining URL structure? Uh, if to speak about migration, uh, just one recommendation, say, save your URLs as it is. Because changing URL is the worst thing that can uh, happen with the existing website. Because when uh, Google see uh, the redirect on the old uh, uh, URL, it uh, drop out from index and the new URL comes uh, in the index and it takes time uh, to get back uh, all the positions that it has. Well, in essence, uh, the search engine is looking at it like a new page. So you've basically so, said the old page is gone. This is a new page. and you know, I mean, I, I can't blame. They're, they're just computers, right? <laughs> we give them a lot yes. of credit, but uh, they, they have to evaluate somehow. Yes, uh, yes, it's just computers. So uh, try to deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Try to live with this. <laughs> so, and uh, if we speak about launching website, uh, you have to form uh, URLs uh, and uh, uh, give it a sense. Uh, for example, your uh, URL should uh, reflect what uh, it is on this page. It's not uh, good to uh, use a lot of uh, numbers or some random symbols in the URL. Uh, keep it as short as possible and as informative as possible. For example, sense. use just uh, the, uh, some keywords. Uh, maybe it's better to name uh, the URL uh, like uh, white t-shirt uh, Adidas, uh, then to name it uh, ID one two three four five and I don't. Symbols. I really wanted an ID one two three four five shirt. I, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but but that's so you know. I, I think search engines like Google and many others, um, you know, whether they all have the same market penetration in different. Uh, countries and uh, you know among different user groups, they're looking for things that are going to make sense to people. <laughs> that I think the one of the end goals is: does this page really talk about product or item or whatever it is X? Uh, you know, content X. Because if not, why are we going to bring anybody to that page? So that makes sense. But I suppose when you're you're migrating at that point, you want to keep everything as as close. To original as possible if, if you want to keep it exact so urls you know if you're using the www version of the site if that's what everything redirects to and, and that's what, what the site runs from you want to keep that in place um if you're going to change that probably not something you want to do during a migration yeah sure, um, sure. and uh, i think uh, you mentioned a really important thing uh, ww and uh, the url without uh, ww so it's so simple but uh, it's uh, the issue that, uh, that uh, everyone forgets about to check uh, your redirects uh, if your 
uh, HTTP version, uh, have a, a redirect to HTTPS and uh, WW without WW. So it's just simple, but everyone forgets about it. Yeah. You know, if you're in the middle of a migration and your, your original site isn't loading securely over HTTPS for all your pages, probably better to fix that <laughs> before you, you deal with any migration. You don't want to do that at the same time. Again, it's just another thing that makes search engines like Google unsure in one way or another. In some cases, if the pages are the same, if the site quality is the same, you want to just have them thinking, oh, this is, this is the same stuff. <laughs> um, change stuff before, change it after weeks apart. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't do it at the same time if you don't have to. Although I think that this is the one area that um, that I'm more careful about, because as far as I'm concerned, everything should run through the SSL. Uh, everything should be encrypted. So, <laughs> you know, if it's not encrypted yet, that gives me gives me area for pause. Um, but if the domain name itself, for instance, I've seen people decide that they're going to take their store domain from maybe a subdomain to a uh, you know to a base domain. Um, you know, from let's say store dot or shop dot to just being whatever dot com or whatever domain and probably migration. I, I would say probably not the time for that. <laughs> not the time. <laughs> yeah. Actually, if to speak uh, uh, about changing domain, uh, some uh, clients think that uh, they have uh, the same website. So what happens with uh, search results positions? I'm just changed the name of the website, but the website is still the same. But from the Googlebot point of view, it's another website. Another domain is another website. Even if you put uh, redirects, uh, it not save you from the losing positions. Yeah, you know, I mean, in some, I guess the best way I could describe this is this is a relationship your website has with search engines and. You know, if you completely move and open up somewhere else, they see it as, as net new. But even, you know, if you change too much within the site itself, it's almost like, you know, the old employee that you had for your website is gone and there's a new one and they don't know this new person yet. <laughs> so they don't know if they like them. <laughs> yeah. They don't know if they're any good. Uh, you know, you, you, you've really instituted major change. So, you know, taking it a step further. So, you know, we've got our URLs now the actual site content and meta information does that follow in your book a similar rule of thumb basically try to keep it as similar as possible yeah, yes yes of course uh, the all the uh, product descriptions all the titles so all the meta descriptions uh, have to, to stay the same uh, because even changing uh, the order of the keywords in the title can change your positions even the order not not the content is, uh, itself so it is very very important to keep all all the data the same now what if there aren't any meta descriptions or some of these things already filled out and these are basically blank in that case would you feel a little bit better about a user uh, you know, website owner filling in some of those blanks to have something rather than nothing, or would you still advise them to wait a little bit? I guess that's a tougher uh, one. If it is uh, blank, uh, I would recommend to fill it with data. If it is blank, that would be my my it, best shot at it too, because I, I wouldn't see there, I wouldn't think it would be likely to lose much. 
if it was a page that they were really, really relying on for SEO, I might think to hold off a little bit just until after, you know, the site launched in a few weeks, it happened, uh, you know, after the relaunch where you could see that everything was okay. No, don't rock the boat. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when, when you're relying on this stuff to pay the bills, it, um, it, it really can make a difference. But basically, other than that, the actual site content, even internal linking, you'd say try to keep as much intact as possible. Uh, yes, I agree absolutely with you that uh, the closer uh, your new website to the old version, the better. Yeah, you know, isn't that, you know, it's funny that in some ways that goes against what so many people think when they're rebuilding their site, they want to make it bigger and better. And when they relaunch it, they want it to be version, you know, 2.0 or however you want to phrase it. Uh, you know, so that that's always... I think sometimes it's hard to tie people's hands like that, but understanding the value that you just need to plan these things to happen in phases, um, do things before the migration, do it after, don't do it the day you relaunch the site, don't have that all hit yeah. at once. Yeah, because you have a lot of things to worry about uh, when you're launching, uh, when you migrate <laughs> your website and uh, to check uh, uh, all the, if everything is correct and um, a lot of things to uh, worry about, not even about C SEO. <laughs> so it's better yeah. to um, do some changes later. Now, you know, there are going to be, going back to URLs, there are going to be cases where a URL is going to change for a variety of reasons. So at that point, that's going to come back to your 301 redirects. Do you have thoughts on best practices around that? Uh, uh, Usually, uh, during the migration, uh, the filters uh, pages can change. And uh, the good practice is to uh, close uh, the uh, filter pages from uh, Google bots because uh, they are very similar to category pages and they do not uh, have much value. And uh, it's better to close these pages. So if the uh, filter pages, uh, layer navigation, no, no, no. No, filter, filter pages. Mm -hmm. uh, if uh, they uh, changed some parameters or some, the way this URL forms, it's, it's okay because you closed these uh, pages before, so it will be closed uh, in the future. So it's not a big problem. Uh, but uh, if uh, some uh, key URLs changed, for example, category pages, uh, the, the, for e-commerce uh, store, uh, categories pages um, drive lots of uh, traffic usually. So, uh, of course, you should uh, place a 301 redirect, not 302, just 301 redirect, uh, and uh, put uh, all the new uh, URLs in the sitemap, submit this sitemap in Search Console, so, and uh, <laughs> hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that's the key is avoid it when, when you can. But when you can't, there's a tool for it. Um, at that point, a, a redirect is basically saying this was the old URL, um, but that's changed. This is the new one. It's like a forwarding address that you give the post office yeah. to say we've moved. So it's not equivalent fully to just using the original, um, but it's helpful to say and that's not just to send people 
to the right page or for Google to know that the page moved. Um, you know, there are people that have a, a page bookmark. There are people that uh, there are backlinks that you have. Probably the number one thing that comes to my mind that go to to the old URL. You don't want to lose that. Um, backlinks, for instance, help your SEO. They help suggest that other people on websites think that a page is important. And so your SEO can tank if uh, Google basically just sees a new page that doesn't have any of those backlinks, that doesn't have any of that uh, nice history to it. So, it, you know, obviously there's best practice to testing and making sure that you're keeping your URLs intact. But um, I, I know that there are some ways like going through Search Console, through Webmaster Tools, um, to look for anything that uh, that's popping up as an error, a, a page that's not redirecting properly. Do you have any favorite tools or systems that help with that? Um, I'm just uh, using uh, Google Search Console to uh, check all the errors. So uh, and um, uh, it is important uh, not. Um, it is important to put a three or one redirect and uh, not allow the situation when a uh, four or four uh, error occurred. Uh, because uh, uh, if you had a URL, a category URL, for example, and Google sees that is four or four, it's, um, uh, and uh, the new URL, it won't connect uh, these uh, two URLs without a three or one redirect. So, and usually I check all these uh, things in Search Console because it's the most reliable data. Um, maybe two or three years ago, I tried some uh, SEO tools, uh, but um, I faced uh, some uh, differences in uh, real data and what the tools shows. So, so I decided to use uh, only the tools that Google provides. So it's uh, for example, for structured data is uh, Google Structured Data Testing Tool. For with the website, it's uh, Search Console. And now it is uh, it uh, works much better. There are a lot of new features than several years ago. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. and um, uh, sometimes we uh, use some internal scripts uh, to check uh, if uh, uh, if there are. Uh, errors on the uh, on the URLs that exist. We use sitemaps. We save a sitemap uh, of the website before the migration, uh, and then we use uh, our own scripts uh, to check uh, if these URLs uh, shows uh, proper responses, HTTP responses, uh, or, or they have some errors. And when we see that there are messages uh, that that uh, the script shows some messages about errors, we check. That's interesting. So, you know, you're testing, <laughs> making sure that the, this stuff is working properly, um, you know, and, and making sure that uh, in in my analogy of, of mail being delivered, that things aren't being sent back to the senders because uh, it can't be delivered as, as addressed. Uh, do you recommend continuing to keep an eye on that for a period of time? Because, you know, maybe something didn't trigger in Google yet, but a week or two later or some period of time later, there might still be new 404s or other errors popping that relate to the migration? Um, I'm not sure that I uh, understand the question. Do I recommend it? Um, do you recommend taking a look in Webmaster Tools only like right after the migration or maybe for oh. for a, once a week for a month? Or what do you normally think is, a, is the gold standard 
when it comes to <laughs> leveraging that. Because I've seen people that they migrate and, you know, a day or two later, they've got some reporting and then they stop looking. <laughs> some things continue no. to pop. Uh, uh, I think that uh, the first day of the immigration is uh, the most important day. You should uh, uh, you should check everything uh, important uh, in the first one or two hours when you did the migration, and do it with your own tools, with your own scripts, just with your hands, and, and you have everything that you can. And then you have to monitor the information that uh, comes in uh, Search Console. Um, I would recommend to do it regularly, twice a day uh, during two weeks. Because you have to know when everything, uh, when something happened as soon as possible. So uh, if you will, if you know about uh, some errors uh, and uh, after two or three, one week uh, after it appeared in a search console, it's, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's you funny that, to- you know, some, the longer that those things fester and sit, sometimes the harder it is to get back your rankings. Um, so, you know, I, I get, you know, it's a good point. You don't want them to sit too long. You, you mentioned sitemaps. So while you're doing all this in Google Search Console, good to submit your Magento sitemaps while you're at it. Um, do you recommend submitting sitemaps through any of the other webmaster tools, search console systems like from Bing or Yandex? I guess some of it depends on the user and if they potentially are going to see any traffic from those. But some of them have some interesting tools. Uh, yes, usually uh, the work um, uh, the work we have is uh, concerning uh, Google and uh, ranking in Google and uh, on most of the websites, uh, Bing and the Yahoo and other uh, search system um, don't bring lot of value. But uh, of course, uh, if you work with the uh, consoles of these uh, search uh, engines, uh, you have to do the, all the same things that you do for Google. Yeah. So do, do you ever in- find that you have to break out the the sitemap into multiple sitemaps for larger sites? Sometimes it's a little bit too big <laughs> to process well. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes uh, the um, the uh, sitemaps are too big, uh, and you have to uh, divide uh, all the data for several files uh, and to provide the links uh, to these uh, sitemaps in robots.txt uh, file. Um, you can have four sitemaps. It's okay. You can have, for example, sitemap of categories. Uh, URLs and uh, sitemap of product URLs, uh, sitemap of the CMS pages, and so on. So sitemap for images. Yeah, because you know you don't want to risk having too large a, a sitemap, and there are errors generating it or errors with it being read. Um, sometimes it's it's uh, you've got you know hundred thousand SKUs, uh, you know products in your site. <laughs> Chances are that's not going to work out very well in one sitemap. Yes, yes, because uh, it's uh, uh, Google uh, has um, a determined period of time that it can spend on the website. So, and usually uh, when Google bot uh, comes to the website, it looks to uh, to the robots.txt file and it finds sitemap and it starts to uh, crawling the URLs uh, from the sitemap. And if your sitemap uh, loads for 20 minutes, 
so yeah. <laughs> he can leave your website. <laughs> so right. I hear you there. So everyone should have a robots.txt file in their site. It should have some sort of a reference properly to the location of the sitemap or sitemaps. Any other advice when it comes to the robots file? Uh, yes, uh, some uh, it is um, co common issue uh, that uh, some clients and especially think that uh, to forbid indexing uh, URLs, uh, some URLs uh, in the robots.txt file is enough, but it's not enough. Uh, if uh, your if URL is uh, uh, forbidden in robots.txt file, but uh, Googlebot uh, can find links to it somewhere on the website or on some other websites, it will crawl this uh, URL. So uh, it is better to uh, forbid indexing using a meta robot uh, tag in the HTML code. But uh, it's important uh, that uh, if you forbid uh, indexing in uh, HTML using uh, MetaRobots tags, there shouldn't be uh, the forbidden uh, in the robot 60 file. So it, it uh, has uh, it has to be forbidden in one place in robot 60 or in HTML, but not in both, not in both, because mm. uh, it's uh, it will be a conflict, <laughs> some kind of a conflict. Interesting. Um, uh, yeah. It's uh, it's information uh, from uh, Google uh, support uh, and uh, guidance for webmasters. And actually, um, uh, I uh, thought a uh, long time that uh, it's enough to forbid in robots.txt file, and maybe it's better to uh, to do it twice in robots.txt and in HTML. So I thought, but um, I've noticed uh, that on some projects that it uh, doesn't work. So, and I started to inspect this information. And hmm. so it almost seemed like, like an error that doing both would cause a problem, but stranger things have happened. I, I you know, the, the best a, advice usually comes from the real world experience. Uh, yes. Yeah, and, and there's no shortage of oddities in SEO. It's there's just so many moving parts. So talking about keeping things um, obfuscated or, or uh, unavailable for Google to index. You know, there are things that um, you've already mentioned pages that uh, that show off some filtered uh, version of, of products available on a website. Um, and how that's really very duplicate content when it comes to category pages and probably not something that brings a lot of value to have indexed, maybe more problems than, than help. Um, I know that coming from the web hosting vantage point that, you know, we get our clients typically have, uh, you know, development copies of their website, staging copies of their website. Do you have recommendations around how to make sure that you don't accidentally leave one of those available for indexing or simultaneously block out the good, uh, you know, push out something that's going to um, block Google and search engines from reading the actual live production copy of your site? Uh, so we uh, block uh, a staging, a staging uh, version of the website. Uh, I can say that usually just uh, disallow uh, the whole website in the robots.txt, it works. It works. Uh, <laughs> until uh, the links appear somewhere. And it can happen, um, the link to the 
website uh, can appear somehow um, when you uh, do some deployment from the stage into the live version. And sometimes it's it's very rare situation, but sometimes the links to the stage and a website can appear on the live website. It's uh, uh, But um, uh, you can always uh, forbid using MetaRobots uh, tag. It's uh, the best uh, option, I think. So also you can forbid indexing a staging website using XRobots tag in HTTP response. So makes sense to That's me. Right. And, you know, in terms of overall crawler accessibility, um, I know that for us, when it comes to firewalling and other, you know, we want to make sure that we let the right bots in, keep the, the bad ones out, keep the good ones coming in. Have you seen any issues with that over time where a site uh, has issues because Google can't crawl it? Uh, yes, uh, it was uh, uh, the case um, uh, from uh, one of the uh, website. Uh, it uh, it uh, did active uh, search engine uh, optimization uh, with the help of uh, SEO agency. Uh, and uh, this website started rapidly losing its positions. And uh, the SEO specialist from the agency told that the reason was in low quality backlinks. And uh, the website owner started to send lots of emails uh, trying to remove such uh, links. Uh, but uh, as I know, uh, the low quality backlinks, uh, they're usually just dismissed. Uh, some, uh, they, uh, it's not a kind of ban from Google. They just dismiss all these uh, links. They, yeah, unless they you have a manual penalty, in which case, you know, I don't run into those very much anymore. Um, I don't know how much Google's even applying them anymore. But if you did, you clean up the mess and you leave all the good links. Because if you get rid of all of your good links, <laughs> you're doing even more damage. It's like, why are you punching <laughs> yeah, yourself? Yes. You know, here you are yes. getting in trouble for bad links. Could you please keep the good ones that suggest that you are a valuable website? Uh, yes, you are absolutely right. Uh, you have to uh, think twice uh, when you're uh, removing some links because it's an essential part of search engine optimization and it's a ranking signal. It's important ranking signal. So uh, you have to be uh, absolutely sure that uh, this thing should be removed. So, and uh, uh, I uh, try to understand uh, if it's true that this uh, website is started to lose its position because of the links. So I try to uh, get uh, this website link profile uh, using uh, s different uh, online tools. Uh, lo lots of uh, such tools in the web. So I tried maybe seven or ten uh, tools, and I. Uh, didn't uh, got this uh, link profile because I got error messages from several tools that uh, the website is uh, blocking access. So it it looks like uh, they uh, did a very tough SEO optimization. They uh, and secure maybe from it was some security issues, but they uh, restrict access to the bot. And uh, it can happen uh, that uh, they restricted access uh, to the Google bot as well. So uh, you have to be very careful uh, when you do such um, things. Uh, so you have to be sure that you 
forbid access only for the bad bots <laughs> and not for the good bots <laughs> like uh, search bots. Yeah, you know, it's like all things in in life, you know. <laughs> Yeah, yes. things aren't always completely black and white. Um, sometimes there's gray area and you need to speak to that. Uh, th that's typically true in technology as much as we want to think it's all Boolean and zeros and ones and that's it. <laughs> there's middle ground uh, somehow, yes. you know, that, that it's more complex than just the zeros and ones. There's a lot of complex logic out there. So and any particular advice as it relates to canonicals and international copies of sites, um, you know, other particular situations that you run into with, with sites that have a variety of, uh, of versions of the same content? So my advice is not to place canonical to the main page on the uh, pagination, on the paginated pages. Uh, paginated pages is, is it's not a duplicate. Uh, it uh, contains different uh, product uh, URLs. If we speak about e-commerce website, it contains uh, uh, different product URLs. So uh, Google, it's okay if Google find these links and follow these links and uh, e crawl, crawling uh, product uh, URLs. So do not put canonical to the uh, category page on the paginated pages. And uh, if you have a website with a, a regional version, for example, you have a, a website example.com and example.de, uh, for example, for Germany and uh, for, for the US. And uh, your uh, content is uh, absolutely the same, just in different languages. So uh, you have to use uh, reflink tags in HTML uh, because uh, now bots, uh, Google bots uh, are uh, smart and so they can recognize uh, the same content in different languages. But if you tell that it's my website, just in different language, just uh, show this website in Germany and this website in uh, the US, it's okay. But uh, if you uh, don't do this, uh, it, uh, can, some of the website can be considered as low quality or duplicates or something like that. And how about structured data, rich snippets, schema.org uh, related uh, content? I've actually seen years ago uh, a situation that I lost some good sleep over <laughs> where uh, it turned out that some SEO rankings were potentially suffering. Um, because there were two Magento extensions um, in a site that had been rebuilt from, I believe, Magento 1 to Magento 2, uh, specifically, that um, they were conflicting, and they were throwing the structured data off, and that was having uh, a terrible, again, at least potentially, impact on the SEO. It seemed to recover a bit after that was addressed. Um, do you have recommendations for generally just the use of um, of structured data, of um, you know, of, of best practices around it. Do you find that it's it's overall helpful for uh, yes, structured sites? Uh, yes, structured data is uh, quite help helpful and quite important because um, 
uh, it, it can be used uh, even not by uh, Google Bot, uh, but uh, for example, when uh, you use uh, Google Shopping and Google uh, Merchant uh, account, and uh, you submit uh, a product fee product feed in the Google Merchant Center, and it can compare the uh, the information that you submit in the feed uh, with the information that displayed on the page and the information uh, that uh, shown in structured data on this page. So, and it can, um, for example, compare this information and uh, if uh, uh, there is a d difference uh, in, in the feed, for example, and uh, in the information on the page, it can uh, block this URL from showing in the uh, ads uh, service. So uh, structured data is important uh, for SEO and for some uh, advertising systems. Um, when you put uh, structured data uh, on the website, uh, you have to uh, think uh, what is this page about and uh, what type of structured data is applicable uh, here? For example, uh, for e-commerce website, for products pages is product markup and um, no need to show uh, separately organization markup on product pages. Uh, usually organization and local businesses markups uh, uh, is better for main page, contact us page, about us page, but not for product page, for example. I'm always so, surprised at how many sites don't take advantage uh, of of these tools. It's another layer um, to manage, and you know it gets me thinking about. So you know, if you have structured data, I imagine you want that to live on during your migration. You don't want to lose data. It's just another point where you don't want it to seem like the site is different or not the same. You want to keep your rankings. Um, perhaps the same would be said for user-generated content like product reviews or um, or if you have on your on your product pages or other pages you know user-generated FAQs or um, you know Q&A sections things like that uh, I imagine the same applies you want to make sure that anything that's in your old site content wise is going to copy to the new site even if it's not in your main database per se, it's in some added tables from some particular Magento extension that even if you're not going to use that exact extension, you need the content. Yes, yes, uh, sure. And uh, you mentioned reviews. Reviews, it's a very important thing for the e-commerce websites, for the products. So uh, yes, if uh, you have to uh, have the same data on the page that you had before. If you remove something, uh, it's absurd. Uh, you likely lose some positions. Uh, if you add uh, some information new to the existing one, um, so it can be, <laughs> but uh, not removing. Yeah, yeah. And we've talked a little bit about 404 errors. Um, I know there are other errors that, that happen, uh, <laughs> many, many more. That, that potentially can happen. Uh, in terms of the quality of the coding, I, I'd like to think that if you go from a site that's been around five or 10 years, that's really very efficient and well-operated, and if you jump the, the gun, as they say, and, and launch a site that hasn't really gotten through a good uh, user acceptance testing UAT process um, that's full of, uh, full of various errors and just you know, inconsistencies in coding, that's probably not going to help your ranking either. Uh, do you have any any particular thoughts on best practice around 
making sure that your code quality is strong by before you approve the site for launch? Uh, yes, um, uh, I usually uh, use uh, Lighthouse uh, Audit. Uh, so uh, it, um, this uh, it it shows uh, a lot of information, starting from a server response or some images optimization or some scripts that uh, block uh, the web page from loading and um, other issues. So um, as as a SEO specialist, I use this tool. I, I find it the most uh, convenient and and uh, there are a lot of information. Yeah, basically, if, uh, you know, if the code isn't clean, you're going to hunt down those developers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but uh, there are some um, uh, code uh, uh, control from the uh, developer side. I'm not involved in this process uh, of the, uh, when, for example, when some new um, functionality implemented and um, our developers they all know that SEO <laughs> is important, <laughs> that page speed is important. So uh, our developers uh, do some tests uh, and before they launch uh, yeah, their yeah. code and it, implement it's something. It's not just in these situations if the page loads, right? You know, because the search engine, it's reading all that code. And when, when it's got a bunch mm -hmm. of junk in there that it doesn't like, it can't be really helping the situation, uh, you know. And I guess, you know, some of this goes back to some other principles that are really important. So, you know, at JetRose, we worked very, very hard on loading speed optimization for clients, really cutting down that time to first bite. We're deploying content delivery network, uh, you know, solutions, different caching layers, which, you know, we work with agencies on like to deploy Varnish together, you know, will really optimize and configure Varnish. But there's hole punching and other things that have to be done on the development side. And then there's things like minifying and compressing files. And, um, you know, we know that there's a ton that goes into, um, into getting a site loading quickly and that Google cares about loading speed more than ever. Uh, you know, I mean, this is a mobile first generation. Um, so even if it weren't, uh, it's just part of the algorithms now. Do you have any particular thoughts on, on that process? Do you usually? speed test sites at some point in this process to make sure that that's not the weak link in the chain? Uh, so uh, we uh, try to improve uh, the page speed load uh, when migrating the website. So <laughs> this thing should not stay the same. The, the new website should work faster. Uh, so uh, our developers do some server tests and uh, I, uh, I usually use Lighthouse Audit, as I mentioned, to, to check uh, the uh, load uh, and some uh, web page tests uh, to see uh, the speed. So, and uh, uh, as you mentioned, the minifying uh, files, uh, there are some uh, settings in the Magento uh, that just a simple click, enable yes, and uh, your web page speed is much more faster. So, and uh, there are a lot of uh, servers uh, tools uh, that helps uh, to uh, optimize page speed for images compressing and uh, for files. Yeah, and that's, you know, we, we know it, it doesn't come easy, but it's worth it. Uh, you know, as a team, we invest a lot into that. 
I'd say the same, you know, so bad, you know, we've talked about a few different types of errors. I, I'd throw in there that server errors are ju just as damaging. Um, if you've got certain pages or actions that are generating some form of 500 error, uh, something's unresponsive or, or not loading properly, you know, these are things that need to be addressed swiftly. Uh, it may be something that wasn't caught in user acceptance testing, but you need to, you know, you need to be monitoring um, for anything that could be impeding both users and search engines um, as they're both trying to go about their business <laughs> of, uh, of going through your site. Um, you know, it's, it's funny that we also, we run into things um, that cause issues around this, whether it's, uh, you know, a, a DDoS attack or just, you know, standard scalability that if uh, a user doesn't have the resources that they need um, server-wise or if they um, aren't well optimized in one way or another or they've got bottlenecks, um, it, you don't want your site to be unresponsive or slow when Google's trying to read it. So we do a lot of load testing and try to make sure that even at, at peak times, that, that's going to work out well, uh, you know. There's, uh, you know, the same flow. I mean, you know, we talked at the beginning of the podcast about security. You need that SSL running. Um, it does factor in, to my understanding, into SEO rankings. Um, but, it, you know, any sort of a security incident could throw all of your SEO rankings in flux that if your site has to be taken down because of a breach or... Um, you know, your your site has some kind of, um, you know, warning page coming up from browsers like like uh, Google Chrome and, uh, you know, the site can't be indexed. That's going to kill all your marketing. And, that, you know, not only can it damage your brand and your reputation, but you can lose SEO rankings over it. Sometimes I tell if if you invested the same way into the security of your site that you are into your marketing, basically to protect your marketing, um, you know, wouldn't the world be a little bit different? Wouldn't we hear about a, a lot fewer sites um, impacted by uh, by bad actors and, and malicious activity? Uh, you know, it's funny that I think that you know it's not all about equal dollar spend or anything like that, but just maybe equal consideration that um, th that these things need to happen in order to have good long term success. Um, so, oh. <laughs> security is security is quite a uh, important uh, topic nowadays because uh, uh, after GDPR uh, document was uh, announced uh, and uh, CCPA, uh, I guess I'm not sure if I pronounced it correctly. Uh, CCPA, yes, yeah, sure. Yes, uh, security is just uh, very very important and. Uh, from nothing, it's maybe SEO here is not so uh, vital, but uh, really, you if you have a web store, uh, you have to protect your users' information because uh, real people can lose real money, and uh, just because of uh, the website uh, did not uh, did some uh, didn't uh, implement uh, some modern solutions that. Yeah. It's, it's like, a like huge responsibility. Yeah, like everything that we're talking about, it's about you know not just trusting but testing and verifying. So you know we for our customers we run malware scanners and intrusion detection systems, and you know we have our our 
network operations center, our NOC monitoring, round the clock monitoring 24 seven. Um, you know, there are all these layers of proactive and reactive security that work together because you don't want to risk that there's some kind of what we know as a zero day uh, security event where there's something that was unknown that they're, you know, the Magento itself isn't patched for, isn't secure against, and firewalls and such haven't seen yet, but, you know, it's going to get a, <laughs> your site. <and> <laughs> yeah. It doesn't have to be a big site to be impacted. You know, hackers look for low-hanging fruit. So if they find a vulnerability in one site out there, whether it's Magento or WordPress or Drupal or, you know, pick a popular system, they'll go and, and check every other <laughs> site of its kind that they can. Um, so it's it's a funny world out there, you know, that... It, it's all logical when you stop and think about it. Um, yeah, and uh, uh, if to speak about uh, e-commerce website and web stores and uh, that are operated by Magento, it's important to have a support team uh, that uh, will care all the works uh, regarding updates, uh, security patch installations and uh, things like that uh, and monitoring of the uh, website because uh, um, if you do not have support team, so yeah. <laughs> that is uh, that do all this work for you, how how do you handle with your security issues? <laughs> if you don't have a good developer and a good host working for you and working together well, um, security, speed, you know these things, you might have them temporarily, but these are moving targets. Uh, these are not things that stay static as your site changes, as you as you know, things happen in the outside world and things happen within your site and your organization. You know, I'm going to circle back though. So, you know, we've talked about so many different aspects of SEO that you want to be careful with as you launch or relaunch a, uh, a site in this case, um, as you go through a migration or a replatforming. Um, do you have any recommendations around baseline SEO reporting to help, you know, outside of maybe Search Console and, and the things that we've talked about, things to help watch the rankings and the site health before and sort of have that baseline know where you were at and make sure that you're equal or better after the relaunch? Um, for, for example, you can uh, use some um, uh, SEO tools uh, to monitor website like uh, SEMrush, like uh, most tools, and uh, also uh, check the data in Google Analytics because it's um, uh, it shows uh, the data in real time, and you can immediately see on what pages your traffic dropped, for example, uh, and from what channels. So uh, use all the tools uh, that uh, you can, and uh, it's convenient for you. Because some SEO tools is just the question maybe of the um, habit uh, and what is convenient for the specialist. So, but uh, SEMrush and Moz may be the most popular. Moz may be my all-time favorite set of SEO tools. Um, you know, there are some things you can access for free, um, and then there are, are paid tools. They are around a very long time. I know that there are some others that have been um, popping up a little bit more in the e-commerce world in recent years at different trade shows and things, companies like DeepCrawl. Um, I, I could probably put together an article of just links to some of these tools and companies that someone might benefit from. Uh, but you know, I, 
I think you need to pick your favorites. Um, and there's a lot to pick from, but even, you know, have something, <laughs> know where you started, and <laughs> know what's changing, know what we're, you might have been getting a thumbs up in an SEO report that, you know, you had, uh, you know, all of your alt tags on your homepage, and now you've got none for your images. Well, that's not good. You know, you don't want to go backwards. You you had H1 and H2 tags on these pages, and now you don't. Um, you know, things that you covered bases before, and, and now those things are uh, are gone or, or in flux. Um, now, when it, uh, you know, I, I'll add something else that I, I didn't think about earlier when we talked about 404s, but I always like seeing a custom 404 page. And during a migration or some other big event, of its kind, I always think that people are more likely to see the 404 page, whether we like it or not. Um, it's probably a good time to make sure that that's something that invites them to find something else in the site or, or to appreciate the brand and not just feel like the site stinks and this, you know, I'm, I'm out of here. Uh, uh, really, uh, customized uh, for 404 pages uh, is um, a great. Um marketing tool for example this uh, uh, product uh, won't be on your website again and uh, uh, you have to show for all four page uh, but uh, you can add uh, some cool pictures some recommendations for example look at this and this and this product and it can uh, improve your conversion rate and uh, uh, it can lower your bounce rate so the, the people will click on your recommendations, so customize for four pages. It's a great thing. It's uh, regarding uh, user experience. Actually, um, now the user experience uh, is um, more important uh, than ever uh, because um, Googlebot announced new algorithm and uh, page experience uh, now has a great impact uh, on uh, ranking. Uh, and um, there are, there are uh, a lot of uh, interesting information for SEO specialists. Uh, so, and uh, uh, you know, uh, we received uh, uh, a lot of uh, requ requests uh, now last month uh, regarding uh, UX improvements. So actually, now we are, uh, work with the uh, goldscan.com. It's one of the most popular uh, web store uh, selling uh, golf equipment. And uh, uh, this uh, website wants to make some uh, improvements. And it's a huge responsibility to do UX improvements on the website uh, that uh, has uh, thousands of uh, users because users get uh, used to some interface and uh, if you will ch if you change it uh, a lot it uh, won't be good so you have to make changes step by step uh, and to save the best uh, the website uh, has and to uh, add uh, something new and better well, that's a good point that search engines get to look at things potentially like bounce rates and other metrics about what users are really thinking about the site, the amount of time people spend on the site, the amount of pages that they visit. There's, uh, you know, th there's a variety of data that informs the, the search engine uh, rankings, the SERPs. Um, you know, so I, I think that that's a, a really important point that in all of this, uh, all of these little technical pieces that we've been talking about that you don't want to break or you don't, uh, you don't want to have any 
problems, you also have to make sure that users are still happy with the end product <laughs> and that you didn't change things so much uh, so drastically that you've taken away um, something that, that was really positive in the past. You know, so I'm, I'm going to sort of transition to what I think should be probably the last segment, um, last few questions here. The migration happens. What should the expectation be of the search engine rankings? My historical experience has been what I like to call and others in the industry call, uh, you know, the, the Google roller coaster, that your rankings are going to be in flux. They're going to go up and down for sometimes days and on occasion weeks as Google's indexes and other search engine indexes uh, take note and figure out where they believe that your new version of your website and the new versions of your web pages belong. Is that still pretty accurate thinking? Uh, yes, uh, in the short term, you uh, have to expect uh, some downs uh, in the tra traffic and uh, positions, uh, uh, but uh, in the long term, uh, you have to expect uh, uh, more uh, traffic and higher positions uh, because you did migration for, for better performance, for <laughs> better page speeds. So if it's done correctly, you will see uh, the up in the long term, but in the short term, there can be some downs. Yeah. You know, I know we have on our blog a recent article where we had partners recommend uh, different link building sources, you know, ways of building healthy backlinks to an e-commerce site. Uh, do you find that for a relaunch like this, that it, it's a good time to do a little bit of backlinking, maybe even something like a press release announcing the, the awesome new version of the website that's going to do all these great things for shoppers um, just to give Google and other search engines that little extra boost that there's still this this interest and uh, value in the site? Um, backlinks uh, are always good for websites if uh, they're done properly. If uh, you understand uh, where this link should be placed and what attributes it uh, should have and from website it's okay to uh, have a backlink and uh, which website is not okay for uh, your industry, uh, it's okay to have backlinks. But uh, be careful with this because it's it's as it is an uh, uh, important uh, ranking signal. Uh, Google pays a lot of attention to some manipulations, and uh, you can <laughs> have some. If penalty. a backlink is too easy to get, <laughs> you know, <laughs> if it seems too good to be true, if someone's trying telling you that they can sell you something amazing, like most things in the world. Be circumspect, you know, try to stick to things that seem natural and, and real and organic and something that a real person would appreciate. Oh, look, you know, uh, this major news site is recommending, you know, th this Magento e-commerce website that sells this particular thing um, in an article about buying those things. Well, that sounds pretty good. <laughs> you know, when, when you're just dumping in comments somewhere in the back of some the bottom of some page that has nothing to do with with uh, your your products and your site, um, and you're just throwing backlinks around. Well, that's not really what it's all about. So <laughs> please, there's a please. lot of room in between, right? You know. <laughs> yes, and please do not buy uh, one thousand on links for for ten bucks. <laughs> no, it's it's not a good option. No, really. <laughs> it, more damage to try to get rid of them later. 
You have no idea yeah. how expensive that $10 that you just spent could really be. Um, yeah. You know, that, that's like, you know, buying something from the cop on the corner who's offering you <laughs> something illicit that you shouldn't be buying. That $10 is going to cost you a lot more than or whatever the going rate. Um, yeah. So uh, this has been um, a lot of fun for me, at least. I always love chatting SEO, especially with, with someone with this much expertise. Uh, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share? I know the world is still a bit upside down and, um, you know, your team does a lot of things in the market. Any, anything interesting that you want to share? Any last words of wisdom before we wrap for the day? Um, so uh, we covered uh, a lot of uh, questions regarding uh, security issues, uh, regarding some uh, website uh, pickups and downtime and uh, uh, the importance of uh, server. Uh, and um, now I see the situation uh, when the uh, lockdowns and quarantine time uh, happened in lots of uh, countries that uh, in e-commerce uh, there was a uh, boost, uh, boost of sales. Uh, the merchants uh, faced with uh, lots of orders and uh, some of them uh, were unable to handle uh, this um, a huge number of orders because uh, because of the uh, server errors, because of um, some um, gaps uh, in uh, their uh, order processing. And uh, uh, so uh, I would uh, recommend uh, to think uh, about uh, uh, about uh, these uh, things and uh, to be prepared uh, for some uh, big sales that uh, can uh, happen. So uh, not not uh, always be prepared for bad, but to be prepared for good as well. Uh, I mean, that that is the challenge, right? <laughs> Being prepared for the the unexpected, whatever that may look like. <laughs> and yes, and. Uh, 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 when merchants um, uh, do uh, a lot of efforts uh, to uh, gain uh, to get uh, customers come from to come to their websites, and so when there are hundreds of orders, but they cannot <laughs> manage with it, it's <laughs> it's sad because <laughs> they can be prepared for good. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. it's a wacky world out there, that's for sure. That. We're always surprised by something. Um, you know, I know right now we're, you know, riding the wave of Magenta one end of life and we're talking to merchants, you know, all week long, um, advising them on, on how to best navigate that and how to secure themselves and how to continue to operate effectively. <laughs> you know, things that, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I, I think you're ready with one thing, but then there's something else you didn't think about. And so for a lot of merchants, it was things related to their payment processors and PCI compliance assessors and things that, um, you know, they say, oh, if we do X, we're okay. And, you know, the, the most interesting thing about e-commerce is that it takes a village and there's a lot of moving parts. And, uh, you know, it, it's rarely about one thing, one magic bullet. I think if this episode does anything, it, it helps highlight just how many things have to come together to really, really um, get the results that you're looking for. But when you do, uh, it can absolutely, uh, absolutely be well worth it. So 
Um, Rita, really um, a pleasure having you on today. I hope we get to have you again uh, on a different topic uh, in the future. Um, for our listeners, as always, thank you for tuning in. And uh, you know, feel free to subscribe wherever you uh, watch videos or listen to podcasts like this one. Uh, we hope to hear from you with any comments, feedback, um, you know, hit the, those star buttons, hit those like buttons if, <laughs> if this has been helpful for you. And with that, um, happy selling.